Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. I'm in store for you today. Are you ready for the word? Come on, are you really ready for the word? I hope you feel like hearing it like I feel like preaching it. I know I just had you sit down. You got all comfortable and you got your Skechers shoes on the floor, but I'm going to have you stand right back up uh, to honor the reading of God's word. Last week, I'll let you know that we've got a word for this year. Our church has always been led at the beginning of the year by a word, 2021. It was the year of no cap. God was showing us that there's no limit to what he can do. Last year was the year to stretch out, stretch out. We were stretched, stretched. I told you, some of y'all, you could be a Pilates instructor. You were stretched so much last week. But now we're going deeper. That is a word for this year is to go deeper, that God wants to strengthen our stakes. The imagery that Isaiah gives about being stretched out is the imagery of a tent that's being stretched to its capacity. But once it's stretched, you then have to strengthen the stakes because if you stretch without the strengthening, when a storm comes, it's going to blow over. And we're saying this year we want to be anchored. We want to be rooted. We want to be established. We want to go deeper. And hear me, going deeper is going to look different for every single person in this room or watching online. But make sure you don't just go deep. You go deep er. I asked you last week, what is your er? For some of you, you already exercising your er because you here at church on Sunday. Come on, give yourself a hand as you showed up. Come on, you got perfect attendance for the new year. And that, that's er. Some of you, your er is you came to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. That's amazing, but find your er. Some of you, your er is that you read three scriptures this week in your quiet time. It wasn't the book of Leviticus, but you read three scriptures. And that's amazing, but find what your er is because we're going deeper for what God has for us. Here's what I believe. A shallow world needs a deeper church. A shallow world needs a deeper church. We want to be deep people. So that is our word for the year. It's also our series. If you want to get a tat on your forehead that says go deeper, hey, that's on you. It'd be awesome. But let's start in Luke chapter 5 today. I want to look at Luke chapter 5. I'm not going to be before you long. Luke chapter 5. And I'm going to look at verses 1 through 11. The gospel according to Dr. Luke Chapter 5, we'll start at verse 1, and we'll land at verse number 11. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold on. I heard that, hold on. I'm going to wait for you, even though it's on the screen. But you want to read it personally, because you're going deeper. And I love it. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse number 1, and it says, one day is already good. Anything could happen. On any day. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that is Peter, he has yet to be called, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we worked all night hard too, 
Haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. I am intrigued with so many things in this passage. There's so much pertinent truth in it. But the thing that got my attention is not just that he launched out into the deep. It's verse number eight. It's Peter's reaction to this catch. This don't make no sense. He's just gotten the greatest catch of his life. His business has just changed as he knows it. And his response to the greatest catch of his life is, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He didn't do a Holy Ghost two-step. He didn't praise. His first reaction after God took him deeper was, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I want to talk today for about three hours. I'm playing, I'm playing. This is going to be very short because it's the first service and they got on to me last week because I went too long and it was crazy in the parking lot, so I'm not going to be long, okay? <laughs> but I do want to talk to you today using this as a title, The Danger of Going Deeper. The Danger of Going Deeper. Look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and just say, neighbor, there is a danger if you go deeper. Come on, look at your other neighbor, the one you ignored, because that's the one you probably should talk to. Come on, say, other neighbor. Oh, I love you, but I got to give you a warning. <laughs> there is a danger to going deeper. If you believe God's going to speak, would you give him some praise in here? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The danger of going deeper. Social fam, one of the Madhu family traditions is every single summer, whenever the Texas temperature starts losing its mind and going into triple digits, so we try to, as a family, take a vacation and escape the heat, and we go to Newport Beach in California. It's a tradition we actually started before we even had little mocha children, Pastor Taylor and I. Just go out to Orange County and enjoy the good weather and the cool breeze. But now we've made it a point to do it every single year. And we take our kids and we call it family vacation to Orange County. I call it family vacation, but I mean, every parent in here will really tell you that if you're taking your kids with you, <laughs> it is not a vacation. 
Uh, it is a trip. It is a trip. And that's exactly what we take every single summer. It is an absolute trip to take these three little humans to Orange County, California. It's a trip. It's a trip. Actually, I'm just in a trip season with our kids right now. I feel like it's therapeutic for me to confess this with you because our kids are eight, seven, and five. Eight, seven, and five. And so I'm in what I call the referee season of parenting. Referee season of parenting. Because all Pastor Taylor and I do every single day is we break up fights. Break up fights. That's what I do every single day of my life. I break up fights between these three kids that are trying to kill themselves and each other every single week. He touched me. He licked me. He looked at me. Every single day, we break up fights. I've really gotten to a place now where I'm not even trying to stop the fights. Now I just wake up in the morning and say, hey, look, I want a good clean fight, okay? I want a clean fight today. No elbows, no headbutt, no punches below the belt. Just, just keep it claim we're, we're breaking up fights that's what it is and it's a trip and there's one family vacation trip if you will to Newport Beach California that I will never forget it is indelibly etched in my mind because we were at a table at a restaurant and I think Bubba was maybe just three or four years old we had the waitress come as we always do bring food very fast she had cut up some apples for my son to eat. And there he is, eating his apples, smiling, having a good time. We actually had a little moment of peace. All of a sudden, Evie, his older sister, grabs his apples from his plate, to which he responds, ah! and starts screaming at the table. Problem is, is when he screamed, he sucked in, and he started choking at the table. We went to him immediately, as any parent would do, and found out he was fine. We finished our meal. Finished our meal and went to the beach, running around, playing. Went to the park, running around, having a good time. Came to the hotel, went to the pool. I'm Daddy Shark, having an amazing time. <laughs> when we got back to the room, Taylor said, Bubba is breathing different. I said, what are you talking about, girl? She said, look at his chest. He's breathing different. I said, no, he is not. I'm looking at his chest. He's not. She's like, no, no, no. He's breathing different. I hope he's all right. I said, trust me, he's fine. Went to bed. About 9 o'clock at night, Taylor wakes up. We're going to the emergency room. I said, excuse me. <laughs> She said, we're going to the emergency room. I want to make sure something's not right. I said, babe, you are overreacting. Okay, look, I am the man of the household, okay? Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to stay here. We're not going to overreact. We're going to go back to sleep. We're not going to the emergency room. Two seconds later, we're headed to the emergency room. <laughs> and we get to the emergency room, and there's my son, and I'm looking at him, and I don't notice anything on the surface that looks wrong. We waited hours and hours to see a nurse. A nurse came in and she checked and she put the little stethoscope and she listened and she said, I don't hear anything abnormal. She said, but you know your child more than I do. If you want us to take an x-ray, it's going to be a while, but we can do that. I said, we're good. We're good. We don't got the time and we don't want to pay the bill. We're just going to go. And Taylor said, no, we're staying. And we stayed. Hours, hours. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm like, this boy is fine. Waited hours. Finally, they come in. 
they do the x-rays. I was like, I cannot wait for them to come back with these x-rays and tell us we're good so we can go and I can go back to bed. It is three in the morning at this point. The doctor comes back and I could see on his face when he walked in that something was wrong. He said, we have the x-rays back and I need to let you know that there is some food that is lodged in your son's trachea and we're actually going to have to extract it and get it out. He said, the specialist won't be here for another hour or so, but here's what I need you to know, is that this is a very dangerous and invasive procedure that we're going to have to go deep to get this foreign object out. And so you're going to have to sign a waiver because we cannot guarantee that there won't be any damage. We cannot guarantee that he won't be brain dead. We cannot guarantee that there won't be any danger as a result of us going deep to get this out. All of a sudden, everything has shifted and changed. And all of a sudden, the waiting room in the hospital became a prayer room as I watched them take my three-year-old son to the back to perform this operation. I'll never forget when the doctor came around the corner and told us everything is fine, you're good. And he showed us, sure enough, the cut-up piece of apple that was lodged in my son's trachea the whole time he was laughing and playing and having a good time. And I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me of that story to tell somebody today that I wonder if that's what our lives look like. I wonder if many of us go through our lives and if people would look at us on the surface, we are laughing, we are playing, we're doing business. Look at you. You came to church today. You're leading your family. Everything looks good on the surface. But if we could really look at your breathing, something beneath the surface is off something that we can't see with our own eye would let us know that there is something that is blocking you from really living the life that God has for you and it's not anything we can see on the surface but I'm thankful that I serve a God who's also our father and he knows his children and not only does he know his children as a father he's also a great physician and the great physician says I'm the one that has the x-ray capability to look beyond all your pretense to look beyond all of the things you post that makes it look like you got it going on and I can really see what is stopping you from living the life that I have for you. God wants to go deep, but I'm telling you to go deep is dangerous. It is dangerous to really delve into the things in our lives that are stopping us from living the life and the life more abundantly that God has ordained for us to live. And God told me to tell you that this series is your waiver. Yes, this is your waiver that I'm going to have you sign later because he wants you to know that if he's going to go deep, it will not feel good. If he's going to go deep, ooh, some things are going to be removed that you didn't even know were there. If he's going to go deep, you have to understand that it's always going to be a danger in going deep. See, it's safe on the shore. Oh, if you want to be safe, stay on the shore. But if you want to go deep, it will always cause some type of danger. And the reason it causes danger is because going deep, you lose control. 
you lose control. You lose the one thing that all of us want to do is keep our hands on our life. And God said, when I take you deep, I'm taking you away from the safety of the shoreline and you have to run the risk of the danger that you incur whenever you have to go deeper. I, I love this text today because right in the middle of this text, it's as if the text is subliminally letting us know that whenever God wants to take you deeper, you do have options. You do have options. God is not going to force anybody to go deeper. That there is an option available to you to just stay on the shore. If you don't want to go deeper, that is cool. Matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I've got more respect for you today if you're like, mm, that's a cute series. That's a cute word for the year. But that's for y'all. I'm good. I would rather stay at the safety of the shore. I actually can respect that. I think God can respect that. He would rather have somebody that just says, you know what? I'm good staying at the shore rather than somebody who says, I want to go deeper, but then you're not willing to take the risk of what is going to be too cold deeper but in this text it shows us that if you want to stay on the shore that's cool because in the text we see the crowd is at the shore this is in Jesus ministry it's in the preliminary stages of his ministry but his ministry is already proliferating people around the towns and the villages are becoming aware of this miracle worker Jesus every place he went people got healed in fact if you back that thing up biblically in the gospel of Luke you'll see that all people came to him and all their diseases got healed can you imagine a powerful service where every single person got healed not 90% or 75% Jesus had a one hundred percent success rate when it came to healing he had a 100 percent success rate when it came to deliverance and how many you know when you performing like that when you don't never miss a three-pointer people are gonna show up I love that he didn't need an Instagram account but people showed up he didn't have a TV to broadcast he was just effective in what he was called to do and people heard about it I want to pause right there and tell somebody stop handing out your business card stop trying to promote yourself just be effective and I'm telling you if you're effective people will find you you don't have to promote yourself if you're really great. All you got to do is be great and people will be drawn to the greatness. They were drawn to him. Read your Bible. Everywhere he went, he had this magnetism about him that the crowds would follow him. Wherever he went, the crowds would press against him. And here Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee and the crowds have pressed in so much on him that he's trying to figure out what am I going to do with these crowds. The crowds came because they saw the miracles and that's what the crowd always wants. That's the surface level of Christianity is just to get the miracle crowds want the miracle but if you want to go deeper you want the man that performs the miracle crowds are satisfied with just hearing a cute sermon and getting inspiration but if you're going to be a disciple you say God I just don't want inspiration God I need instruction God I don't just want a miracle I need you to give me the mandate and the marching orders for my life and I don't know who this message is for but 2023 is your year to come out from the crowd and actually become a disciple and start following him you do have the choice do you want to stay in the crowd or do you want to run the risk of being a disciple and following him the crowd kept pressing and see this with your mind's eye they have pressed in on Jesus so much there's not even enough landmass to hold them that's how big this crowd is today to listen to the words that are going to emanate out of the mouth of Jesus I can see Jesus getting pressed in to the crowd 
Surely they heard the miracles. He wanted them to hear the message. The miracles are good, but the miracles should only point to the man. The miracles should lead you to the message and ultimately to the man. And as they're pressing in, he realizes, I am running out of space because they're pressing in and there's the edge of the water and I got to keep preaching because some, some of them just came for the miracles and I got to give them a message so they ultimately will come to me and I'm, I'm running out. Y'all back up. And they keep getting closer. And all of a sudden he realizes I'm about to be in the water. If they keep pressing on me, I'm going to need a boat. I need a boat for a pulpit. This blew my mind because if you look at the text, the first thing that Jesus, Jesus noticed was not Peter. The first thing Jesus noticed was his boat. He looked up as he's being pressed up against and said, huh, there goes two boats and I need a boat because I already have hooked this crowd with my message because he can fish. The miracles were the bait. The message were the hook. He's about to pull them in. See, fishing is happening simultaneously in this text. They're pressing in. He said, I almost got this catch. I need a boat. Only God could, only God could have a big catch and go, I need a boat later. Most of us, we're going to get a catch. We get a boat first. Then we get our net. Then we get our bait. Not Jesus. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, I already got a catch. I'm about to pull them in, but I'm, they are pressing me. I need, oh, I need a And look, look at there. There's a boat. I'm trying to get you to see in this text that this miracle started not with Peter's need, but with Jesus' need. Jesus needed a boat. Yes, Peter needed a miracle, but more than that, Jesus needed his boat. He needed the boat to get into it so he could sit in that boat and that boat could become a pulpit and those waves could become his sound system and that shore could become his amphitheater so that the words of the master could echo around the Sea of Galilee and everybody could hear him and he's about to pull his catch, but he needed a boat. He needed Peter too, but the first step was to get Peter's boat. So the first question I have for you today, can God use your boat? I know you're coming to Jesus with your needs, but God wants to know, can my need, can my purpose be accomplished in the earth? Because this is what started the conversation, is that God needed a boat. He needs your boat. I want to know, can God get your boat? Can he get your business? Or is your business just for you? Can, can God use your boat? Can God use your Instagram page? Or, or do all we get is just duck face? And thirst trap pictures can he use can he use your boat can he use can he use the platform can he use the things that he's given you to draw in the last day harvest that is a very practical but powerful question is can God use your boat he saw the boat before he ever saw Peter and I hear somebody listening to this saying well Pastor Robert just hold on one second I thought our God doesn't need anything I thought he's the omnipotent God that has all power in his hand I thought he's the omniscient God infinite in all awareness understanding and insight I thought that he's omnipresent 
actually able to be everywhere at the same time. Wait, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need a boat. And I would say, actually, you're right. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. He didn't need that boat. How many of you know, if he really wanted to, he could have walked out on that water and just stood on the waves and he could have preached. We're going to find that out later that this God actually has the power to walk on top of things that other people would drown in. But I love the power of him saying, can I use your boat? Because the power of God asking for your boat is actually his grace. His grace says, I'm going to give you the opportunity to partner with me. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do something with me that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself. Yes, your business is okay with just you. But if you partner with me, oh, you're going to see what your business really could do if you would partner with me. I want to pause and say, God, thank you for asking for my boat. I know you don't need it. I know you don't need anything. But I'm so glad that you would even use me. He doesn't need the boat. But he asked for the boat to give us an opportunity to partner with him. Who I've said this before. God operates, oh, i got to hurry, a lot like Build-A-Bear. My kids love Build-A-Bear. They love Build-A-Bear. It drives me crazy because it wastes my time when I take these kids to Build-A-Bear. And I would rather, to be honest, just go buy them a stuffed animal because it would be so much easier. But no, they want to go to Build-A-Bear. And Build-A-Bear is not in the business of selling you bears. They are in the business of partnership. Build-A-Bear works the way God works. They are giving you an opportunity to collaborate with them. So you walk into Build-A-Bear and you pick out the skin and you go to them you even pick out the little heartbeat it's so cute they make you hold it and spin three times lift it up in the air and then they stuff that bear and they sew it together and you get the privilege to walk out of Build-A-Bear like my kids and say I made this I made this but if truth be told you didn't make anything because if you didn't have the stuffing if you didn't have the skin you wouldn't be able to do it and that's how God collaborates with his children don't you ever get arrogant and think it was your wisdom it was your intellect it was your prowess it was your resume it was your degrees no 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 if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord that was on my side I'm just thankful that you even want to use my boat I need somebody to take a 15 second praise break and just thank God that he partners with his children you don't need me thank God that you use me just says, Peter, can I use it? Can I use your boat, Peter? That question alone is grace. The fact that he would ask to use it when I know he doesn't really need it is his grace. Some of you are annoyed that he asked. Can you believe asking for a building? Asking me to give. I just came to hear the word. I just came to receive. And that's your problem. Is you're so busy consuming, you're not collaborating with God. And you wonder why there's no increase in your life. But it didn't start with Peter's need, it started with God's need. God wants to use your boat. And the fact, the fact that he asked is his grace. Look at how he asked. Oh, I got to hurry. See, y'all stand up and y'all get me excited and then I run out of time. I love the way he asked. I love the way he, it's, it's the most gangster move, the way he asked. Look at what he does. He, he steps in the boat. 
and he goes, can I have it? <laughs> Only God will step into something, make his presence known, and then go, can I have it? I'm making my presence undeniably known to you so that when I ask, and if you refuse, just know you're going to feel and watch me walk out of the body. So before I even ask, I'll make my presence undeniably known, and I'll step in your body. This is how God works. Some of you right now, if you look back over your life, there are moments where you know God was in your boat. Words he spoke. Some of you even walked away from it, and God's reminding you even now. But he steps in the boat, and then he asks, can I have it? And this response from Peter will shape the rest of his life. If Peter has the nerve and audacity to say, no, I'm tired. I'm too disappointed from what happened last year. I'm too disappointed from what happened last night when I didn't catch anything. That I'm not even open to the opportunity that there's something else you want to do in my life. Remember, Peter is washing his nets just like some of you. You're washing your nets when you've given up. You've washed your nets when you step into 2023 and you don't even have excitement or expectation because you bought the lie of the enemy that you got excited last year because God didn't come through on your time schedule. I don't even want to get my hopes up this year. And what's funny about some of you who are washing your nets and have given up is that nobody around you even knows that you've given up. For some of you, it's, a, it's what they are calling in the workplace now, the quiet quit. Across, across the nation now, there's a, there's a pandemic that has resulted of the pandemic where people are quiet quitting their jobs. I'm just going to show up and do the minimum. My heart's not engaged. I don't really care. I've lost my passion, but I need this paycheck. So I'm just going to wash my nets and do the minimum. And right in that atmosphere of quitting, God will step in your boat and go, can I have it? Can I get you to hope again? I know you want to walk away, but can I have your boat? Thank God Peter said yes. If he didn't say yes, he doesn't realize on that same body of water, he's going to walk on that water. If he wouldn't have said yes, he would have missed out on the greatest internship in human history. <laughs> this is the beginning of the calling. And he goes, all right, you can use it. Isn't it crazy how sometimes going deep starts shallow? Just something as little as like, all right, you can use my boat. That one decision changed the trajectory of his life. He pushes out. And there, Jesus, with his ambidextrous self, is fishing at the same time. He's got a catch on the shore, and he's got a catch in the boat. A big catch. A catch so big that he doesn't even know on the day of Pentecost. He's going to bring in 3,000 fish. But I got him. 
they are on the boat and Jesus preaches to the crowd and the crowd goes away. Just like some of you, this is your year to go deeper and not just be the crowd to become a disciple. God is not satisfied with you just coming and hearing a message and not getting connected and plugged into community. He wants you to go deeper. The crowd goes away and then Jesus turns his attention to Peter. And he says, launch out into the deep. Peter goes out into the deep. And I love it because Jesus says something that makes no sense to him at all. It makes no sense to throw your net out in the deep. How many of you know going deep often won't make sense? Jesus is asking Peter to do something that is completely antithetical to every norm of fishing during that day. During that day, everybody knows the fish come out at night. <laughs> they do. The fish come out at night and they love shallow water and that's how they get caught. The fish come out at night. That's in the fish's nature. Fish, by nature, love the night. And they love shallow. And that's how they get caught. Uh, a relationship series until February, but let me just say, this is your year to stop going to the dark places and shallow areas and then wondering how you got caught up in something you weren't supposed to get caught up in. Maybe it's the water you were fishing in. I don't know why I couldn't find my husband. I bet you couldn't. You were in the club with... At least getting some clean water. Get in the right environment first. But this is completely antithetical to fishing. Nobody fishes in the deep. And yet, Peter goes. And I love what Peter says. Oh, I got to finish. Peter says, Master. We worked hard all night. I'm exhausted. Nevertheless. One version says, because you say so. But I like the King James Version. Because the King James Version says, nevertheless. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. You want to go into the dangerous waters? of what God has for you, start praying nevertheless prayers. Nevertheless prayers are the most powerful and the most dangerous and the most honest prayers you can pray. Do you know what nevertheless says? Nevertheless says, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't even know how it's going to come to pass. But nevertheless, I'm going to do it because you said it. Can I tell you, God can handle a nevertheless. Some of y'all are even waiting to feel it to obey. But at the end of the day, all God wants from his children is your obedience. Can I tell you, I don't got to feel it to obey. I don't have to understand it to obey. Some of you need to get a nevertheless this year and say, God, nevertheless, I'm going to obey your word simply because you said it. Hold on. I started getting crazy when I saw nevertheless because it felt like I I saw that nevertheless before. Wait a minute, isn't it in Luke chapter 22 when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating drops of blood and he's saying, God, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be separated from you. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be.
And how many are thankful that today we are the beneficiaries of Jesus saying, nevertheless, it's dangerous, but I still got to go deep because their salvation is predicated on how deep I go. Somebody say, nevertheless, at your word. Everybody stand at your word. I'll go. Nevertheless, nevertheless, one of my biggest frustrations with my little humans is when I tell them to do something and they start asking me why. And can I tell you, if every time God gives you a word, you need clarity and explanation to do it, you'll always be on the shallow end of the water. Depth going deeper means I'm going to run the risk of danger. Say, I worked all night. I've been fishing this sea a long time and never in my fishing life have I ever seen anybody catch during the day and not even in the deep. And by the way, you're a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. Which means I got to let go of my expertise and the pride of what I think I know. At your word. Jay! John, come out! I need some help. Their nets start breaking, the boats start sinking in the same water. I love it because it's either a power of his omnipotent or his omniscience. Either he knew where they were, and I can shout on that, or he's so powerful that he knows how to speak to all creation. And because creation has to respond to the same voice that stepped out into nothing and said something. He said, I can speak to creation and I'll call the fish to come to me. I like that a lot better. Isn't that what he did when Jonah thought he could disobey? And he said, come here, well, he speaks to creation and he called the fish. Now their boats are sinking. Their nets are breaking. Peter. Why aren't you shouting? Peter, you just won the lottery. Why would you say depart from me? It's because in that moment he knew. He had a moment that happens when you go deep and it is dangerous. He says, uh, depart from me for I'm a sinful man because it hit him. If he can see into the depths of that sea, he can see into the depths of me. And God, there's things in me that are so ugly and repulsive that you got to go away. And I'm glad that God doesn't obey us. We're supposed to obey him. He refuses his command and gives him the opposite. He says, I'm not telling you to go away. I'm not leaving you. I already got your hook. I got you hooked. Come follow me. You think what's in you disqualifies you. But as long as you're aware of your brokenness, as long as you're aware of your need for me, 
I'm going to use you to bring in more fish. Some of you are scared of the things inside of you. And you think that that disqualifies you. Now, that's what qualifies you to bring in the harvest. Sharing the gospel is just a hungry person telling another hungry person where they found the bread. And as long as you're aware of your nothingness, God can give you his fullness. But the moment you forget, he can't use you to fish. Peter wanted Jesus to go away. Jesus says, no, come close. And he forsakes the greatest catch of his life to follow him. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.